Well, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're watching this on your uh, clocks. Welcome to another edition of the Furthermore podcast, where we kind of go further and more into the things our church has been discussing. Um, Today, we want to just really quick remind you um, that uh, you can actually listen to this. Like if you're in your car, I hope you're not watching this on a screen if you're on YouTube or on Facebook. You can listen to it on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and really any other platform. And there will be links provided in the description of the video. Um, Today, though, we have a wonderful discussion, and Jared's going to tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, so uh, in case you're new to this podcast, or um, if you uh, haven't been with us over the last week or two at church, um, we're kind of following up on this series that we've been talking about on Sundays uh, called Wilderness, uh, where we've been really talking about when the, uh, uh, you know, when when there are sure foundations kind of unsettled or when the rug's been pulled out from underneath you in times of uncertainty, um, what do we do? What is God doing in those times? How do we, as the people of God, uh, respond to that? And so we've been looking at a few scenes. Uh, in the book of Exodus and seeing what God was doing uh, in and through his people during that time and what does that mean for us today as the church. And so um, that's what we want to kind of talk a little bit more about today is uh, go a little bit uh, deeper in that discussion and uh, hopefully it's beneficial for you. Um, But um, also I want to introduce to you, uh, you know, each time we have uh, somebody come on who is much smarter and wiser than uh, the two of us clowns, and so you can actually have something beneficial for you, hopefully. Um, But today I'm super excited when we are talking about uh, guests to come on. Um, both of us were both, we were of the same mind uh, that who would be fantastic for this. And so um, uh, we're excited to be joined today by Troy Nelson, uh, just a phenomenal guy. I think that you're going to benefit a lot from his wisdom and from his heart as well. Uh, Troy has been, uh, for the past couple of decades, served in a couple of different roles at uh, Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, um, but then also for the past uh, about two years has been the lead minister and preaching uh, week in and week out at Blinville Christian Church there, and uh, somebody that uh, I've known since uh, uh, basically about my time when I came into Ozark, and uh, I've just really had a lot of respect and admiration for him. And so, uh, Troy, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, and welcome to the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. I I send you greetings from Joplin, Missouri. (laughs) All right. Only in Joplin can it be the middle of January and you have flash flood watches. We got dumped on this morning by rain. I mean, it was something. So we're drying out, and it sounds like you guys are getting what we have this morning. Uh, Yes, I was going to say, you must have sent it our way, because uh, today we're uh, at time of recording. We're experiencing a lot of the same. So uh, anyway, uh, I I wish we could send it back to you, but uh, hopefully it'll blow over. So anyway. Well, hey, uh, again, you know, thank you for... uh, Thank you for joining us. How is uh, ministry at uh, Blinville going for you? And uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're 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 like a lot of churches right now. Uh, pandemic is still lingering. We I don't know about you guys, but uh, as a church, we went through a significant season of grief because after the pandemic hit, uh, things weren't normal. And right. there are members that still have not come back since last March. And yeah and the dynamics of, of church life were so deeply impacted. We, we went through a number of months where we're getting together, though we were glad to be able to come together. Um, it was with heavy hearts, even though everything was good in that morning. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're coming out of that grieving process and hopefully uh, entering into this next season of new life that we're going to be looking mm-hmm. for. Wow. Well, that's, that's kind of the uh, thought process behind why we've done this series and what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. 
Um, so as Jared mentioned, we, we're in a series called Wilderness, where we're actually looking at the Israelites in the wilderness um, in the book of Exodus, um, and then and then onward through kind of the first five books, of the, the end of the first five books of the Bible. And um, and in that, we, we've kind of been reflecting on what does it mean when we're in the wilderness. But but a lot of what we've been talking about has been, you know, here's here's what's happening in the Bible, and here's what happened to them, and then and then just kind of a uh, and here's your application. Today we want to talk about our wilderness and kind of uh, reflect more on like what, what does it mean to walk in a wilderness um, that we may have, whether it's a season of wilderness or whether it's the wilderness we call life. And cool. so that's kind of going to be the, dis- the, the discussion we have today. So um, kind of kicking off that discussion, uh, the first kind of question, the first kind of topic is what do we mean when we talk about being in the wilderness or being in a spiritual desert? And, um, and, and so Troy, if, you, if you'd kick us off and kind of help us define that, that'd be awesome. Man, that's a that's a great question, and and I think I think I would answer it from a couple different directions. Uh, first of all, biblically, I think I think we have a grand picture of, of that in this way. Uh, the story, God's story, begins in the Garden of Eden, and then it ends in Eden restored in Revelation. Hmm. So in Genesis, it's beginning in Eden where there's this harmony, there's this interaction with God, there's this closeness of God. And then we mess it up, and uh, then we don't see Eden restored until Revelation when heaven comes back to earth. So in some ways, we're perpetually in wilderness hmm. uh, until it's totally restored back to Eden. So I think there's just life is that way. But then also in Scripture, you find occasions where people experience an event or, or there's something that happens that produces a real testing in their lives. Hmm. So many times the wilderness experiences, especially for Israel in the book of Exodus, they're times of testing. But before Jesus even starts his ministry, you guys know where that begins. He goes yep. out into the desert. Yep. He's in the wilderness for right. testing against the enemy. So, so wilderness is also a, a testing. And I think the third thing uh, I would say, there are certain, certain characters in the, in the Bible that, that you read and I would describe their wilderness as being a sacred discontent. Mm. So I so I see three ways that wilderness is used in Scripture. Um, so I don't know if that's too broad. Uh, I don't know if that's fitting where where you guys are think. But that's three ways that I see wilderness as I just kind of look through different aspects of the Scripture. You know, I think that's uh, incredibly value. In fact, I uh, I really appreciate. Um, uh, especially that first point that you made how really in the bible where it's it's this entire season of wilderness you know we're we're focusing on uh, specifically a few scenes out of the book of Exodus, um, you know, just in these few weeks that we're talking about this. Um, but really, in the Exodus, you have um, kind of a microcosm of the entire story, the entire narrative of Scripture. You've got God's people, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're, uh, you know, they're in the land of Canaan, they're in where, where they're supposed to be, and yet, um, you know, during this period of, you know, in Egypt, they're called away from home, and they spend this, uh, you know, 400-some-odd years uh, uh, in Egypt, in the wilderness, before they're called back home, back to the promised land, the place that God, that God has promised for them to be, where God kind of restores things and puts things right. And ultimately, that's kind of, uh, as you mentioned, the entire narrative of Scripture. God has made us as his people. We were made and formed to be in his presence, you know, in the Garden of Eden. And then as that is broken, um, you know, in various ways, 
And then the entire story of Scripture is of God uh, restoring us and bringing, uh, bringing us back to where we're supposed to be. So really all of life, in a sense, is a, uh, is, is a wilderness journey, if you will. And so anyway, that's, uh, I think that's really profound. Yeah, and I don't think, and I think that also helps some people understand where even if their life is going well, you know, there's not a tragedy, there's not a, a shocking event. Um, but even for believers where life is well, there's still this sense that I was made for another world. Mm. There's still this longing that there's still this sense of something is broken. Something is trying to lead me astray. Something is trying to pull me away. And, yeah. and so, uh, so wilderness can be an event, but I think it's also just the, the life that we have as, as people who are pursuing God uh, when we've messed up creation until he finally comes again through Jesus Christ to restore everything new and make it all new. Yeah. yeah, I wrote a couple of things down um, because I, just reflecting on the biblical narratives of, I think, um, the Israelites in the wilderness and then, Troy, you brought up the Jesus in the wilderness and then also the kind of the third main thing that people talk about is Paul in the wilderness, although there's less less of an unpacking of that narrative and what happens there. Hmm. Um, uh, kind of reflecting on that, what that looks like, what, what that can look like in our lives, um, and, you, and you touched on this, but I think really practically, um, number one, it can be, like you mentioned, a season of suffering. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can have you know great tragedy in your life. You can have a chemical imbalance in your brain that puts you into a season where where it's just everything feels like like wilderness and pain. And then also just a season I think in, in your Christian walk of dryness, mm -hmm. where it's beyond just the I'm really excited about my faith right at the beginning, and then I kind of get settled in and I'm in the scriptures and it's it's less excitable than I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you open the scriptures and it's like I'm not feels like I'm not getting anything out of this and when I pray it feels like it feels like I'm just talking to air and it's like you know you need to do it and you keep doing it and yet you're in that season of dryness and I think that in a way can be a spiritual wilderness as well yeah yeah I agree which which of course you know leads us to ask um not only what do we mean when we talk about a spiritual a spiritual wilderness spiritual desert but also um in our own lives how do we recognize when we're when we are in a spiritual desert yeah how do we look at ourselves and say this is this is what's going on in my life versus Hey, I'm having a I'm a down day, or or I'm going through you know uh, some mental illness or something. How do we how do we recognize? Oh, no, this is in fact a spiritual desert that is distinct from other things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, if we could jump in just briefly there, um, and then I'll let Troy uh, give us something more uh, valuable Profound, for you all. Yes. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, as we talked about, oftentimes we can see that there are things in life, there are situations um, that sort of trigger these seasons, you know. So there's certain trials that we go through, um, certain things, uh, um, uh you know, catalytic uh, events or moments that kind of uh, propel us into this. You know, uh, those are usually obvious things. You know, we have a huge health crisis or financial thing or or, or whatever it is. Um, and so sometimes, you know, we recognize our wilderness because of certain events. But um, when that isn't the case, um, you know, oftentimes, as you've talked about, um, it's not always just suffering because of an event, but it's, uh, you know, that dryness or that staleness. Um, when I think back personally in my own life of, you know, seasons where I've felt like I've in the wilderness, um, you know, from a more, you know, personal or practical uh, standpoint. Um, usually it's in times when I feel more of the anxiety of the uh, even just uh, uh, general, I'd say, restlessness mm -hmm. um, or stagnancy when, um, you know, I'm looking at my life or looking at external circumstances and thinking, uh, feeling or thinking, you know, something is just 
not right, and there seems to be a uh, a discontent or an uh, uh, an unsettled uh, feeling between what's on the inside and what I see on the outside, and so. Um, so just trying to be in tune with your spirit, I think, you know, the spirit of God inside of us and, and, and recognizing that. So that, those are usually some of the first indicators for me. Has something on the outside really driven me to this point, or do I just feel this sense of disconnect or restlessness or anxiety in, uh, in my spirit um, and recognizing, hey, I might be in this, you know, in this wilderness in the spirit of dryness, uh, season of dryness. But, anyway. And, and uh, having worked with ministers, uh, for all these years and, and pastorally in the church, uh, both as an elder and as a, as a preacher. Um, one of the thing, one of the phrases I hear over and over again is the one you guys have used so often dryness. Mm. Uh, it's either dryness or distance. And one of the things I always had a hard time getting past that when I was trying to help people, because many times when they started talking about it, what I struggled with was they kept thinking of of ways that they could do more maybe if i just did more i would get out of this dryness maybe if i just increased my prayer time i maybe i'm not reading scripture enough and it was more 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 and uh it was like man (laughs) sometimes it's just rest sometimes it's the stillness with the lord and so i was like how can i ask the question of people that helps them unpack what god may be doing so that's why i started using this phrase sacred disconnect this discontent Mm. and i typically ask people uh, instead of dryness let's assume this is a this is a sacred discontentment what would be causing that Mm. and it just twisted it for them to be able to see it oh wait a minute this could be a stepping place so sometimes just reframing the question kind of opened our eyes for that self-discovery. It opened the possibility of what is God trying to show me? What is God trying to, mm. to open my eyes to? Um, so sometimes just changing the way we ask the question can help us understand what the wilderness is trying to teach us. That's good. Yeah, that's really I, good. I was reflecting on the idea um, that the actually the Israelites in the wilderness, even though this is supposed to be this season where they're um, where they're struggling, and especially like they spend you know forty years in the wilderness because of their disobedience to God, um, but in those seasons for them was their great like their greatest moments in the history of their nation. They receive the law and they get these things that define them, and and it, and it got me reflecting on kind of people in our own church. And, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate to name names, but people I know. He's talking church, about me. No, people, people <laughs> in our church who have struggled with um, tragedy and loss. Mm-hmm. And yet in those seasons, which, which are wilderness are also the seasons where they have these, these amazing mm-hmm. spiritual, um, this amazing spiritual growth. And it's like, it, it, it's directly reflecting um, Israel going through this this dark wilderness. And yet in it, they receive the law and they receive their identity as the people of God. Yeah. And it's significant, I think. Yeah, yeah Ben, it is significant, uh, especially with some of the things that, that God actually tells us people later on. And one of the things as I was thinking through this, I couldn't help but think when Israel has come out of Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, uh, they're, they're transitioning into this wilderness life that, that is so different from the abundance of Egypt. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden they come to this place where they're thirsty and they begin to, to grumble. Yeah. You know, they complain to God, you know, 
hey, yeah, we know you can part water, but obviously, God, you can't provide water. So what are you doing up there? And they're just this grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. And they come to Mara, which is bitter water. And that story in Exodus 15 is so, so interesting because in verses 22 to 25, uh, I've got it right here. Let me just, one of the things, one of the things about it, it, it says this. If, do I have time just to read this? Oh, absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, it says this, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord and the Lord, now here's a significant word. And the Lord showed him a log. That word showed at its root is the root of uh, Torah. Really? It, it, the, the root of that word is, is literally teaching from God. So that's significant. So let's go on after that. Showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. All right. Hmm. Usually we look, stop right there and go, oh, there's a miracle. Okay. God provides. That's wonderful. Okay. That's what God does in the desert. He provides us with what we need. But we often miss verse 26. And listen to what verse 26 says. Um, right after that, God tells Israel this diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Hmm. Hmm. Well, so what was all this event about? Yes, it was about providing water, but it was also calling his people in the wilderness, listen to your God. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Often our wilderness is, is experiences because we forget his voice. Hmm. We're too busy. We too distracted. We we are too dismissive. We are we have a listening problem as God's people more than a doing problem. Yeah. And hmm. so I, I just find that being incredible. Oh, man, my mind's just going on. Okay, <laughs> let me give you one more here. You go back to Moses. You know, I think Moses's experience in the wilderness was just a prelude of what Israel was going to go oh, through. Oh, yeah. Okay? So in Exodus chapter 3, after Moses has fled Egypt because he, he uh, killed the slave master trying to save the Hebrew, he sees this burning bush. Okay? And here's what's amazing about that when he sees the burning bush. We think God just automatically starts talking. But in, in Exodus chapter 3, it says this. When the Lord, and that word Lord is Yahweh, that's his mm -hmm. covenant name. Yep. When Yahweh saw that Moses had gone to look, then God called. Hmm. Now, why is that significant? God doesn't speak until he has Moses' attention, until Moses takes a step towards inquiry, a step towards being curious about what God is doing. God is silent until that moment. That's good. So we have listening. And we have having a curiosity about what God is doing. Yeah. Those all happen in the wilderness. Hmm. Huh. And, and I think that gives us some direction in, in what God's trying to do in our wilderness experiences. You know, um, Chris DeWell once said to me, he's, he's been on this podcast. He, he once said to me, often God leaves us in the ambiguity because it's there that we seek him. That's just always that's stuck with me. That's good. Yeah. See, that right. Nice talking to you guys. I'll see you next <laughs> That, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I would ask the question then. Um, so, you know, you talk about, you know, hearing God's voice, but oftentimes God waits for our curiosity for us to come to him. And so I think that begs the question then for us, um, what do we do then if we find ourselves in the mm -hmm. desert? How do we approach God? What do we as his people, how do we respond? What do we do if we find ourselves in a desert? So 
What do you What do you think? Can Can I Can I start with something a little bit maybe off the wall? Um, maybe in a way at the beginning, don't try and get out. Hmm. You know, maybe God has you there for uh, for a reason to 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 reflect and to and to and to. Um, to, to examine what it is that you're doing with your life, what it is that you're doing in your prayer time. and your, your don't, don't try and get out. Stay in it and see what God has to show you. Yeah. Think about this. From the time that, that Moses left Egypt until he returned as God's messenger, you know roughly how long of a period that was? Yeah, 40 years. About 40 years. Wow. Yeah. How long is Israel wandering through the wilderness after leaving Egypt? 40 years. Yeah. How long is Jesus fasting in the wilderness before he begins his ministry? You know, fasting 40 days, which I'm sure felt like 40 years. <laughs> but this 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 idea of 40, that's not just a short term mission trip. This is right. this is a this is a discipline of perseverance in the yeah. wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like how you say, say that, Ben. Sometimes we just want to escape. We, we oh, man. We prefer the comfort of Egypt to the yeah. wilderness of seeking God. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. You know, kind of follow along with that, the thing that I first thought of is in those times, in those trials, I think, you know, for uh, for people who've been through um, multiple seasons uh, in their life of wilderness and have, you know, been able to recognize it for what it is, I think a lot of people, this grows with uh, maturity and experience and all that, but hopefully we're able to look back and see hey, God was doing something in that season. God was, you know, pruning in me. God was helping me, you know, stretching me, helping me grow, whatever it was that God was doing in that. And so through seasons, um, you know, there's still this discomfort, our natural reaction, you know, we don't like pain. So we, you know, instantly we take Tylenol. We don't like discomfort. So, you know, we try and do whatever we can to uh, avoid any sort of discomfort. And yet I think for people have been through a season like that or seasons like that and can look back and say, hey, God was doing something here. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's uh, helpful for us to go, hey, you know, if I'm in this season right now, God may again be doing something in my wilderness yeah. right now. Uh, whether or not I see that right now uh, or I'm going to have to wait for hindsight to be able to look back and see what is God doing in this season right now. And so the first thing I think of is, you know, in seasons of wilderness, our temptation is to kind of uh, to, to panic or to, you know, freak out and go, well, what do I need to do? Or as you were saying, you know, Troy, before, how do, how do I add more? How do I do more? What do I do to kind of kickstart my way out of this thing? Um, but if God may, in fact, be doing something during this season, uh, then maybe if we find ourselves in this season, the first thing we ought to tell ourselves is, hey, don't panic. God may be doing something bigger here in this season. You know, you look through Scripture, and um, one of the things that's interesting, we've talked about this, but how, you know, the most common, uh, the most frequent promise of God throughout Scripture is, I am with you. Uh, you know, God doesn't leave us alone. Even in our wow. wilderness, God is with us always. And so if God is teaching us something, if God is doing something in us, uh, then don't panic you know, perhaps don't uh, don't uh, freak out and try and do whatever I can to get out of this season. Uh, you know, all throughout Scripture, we look at suffering a very different way than Scripture looks at suffering, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so, you know, our our instant desire is to get out of it, um, and yet uh, Jesus promises us, hey, you know, you will have troubles in this world, guaranteed. Uh, you know, Jesus promised that if you're following Him, 
there's going to be times of trials and, and, and suffering and struggles in your life. It's guaranteed. Um, I think of in First Peter uh, chapter 4, he says, you know, why do you look around at these trials, these ordeals that have come upon you? Why, why are you surprised at this? This happens to all of us. This is part of life. This is part of just being, you know, between Eden and Eden. Uh, you know, this is, this is part of our life. Uh, so in those moments, uh, you know, the first thing I think of, if you find yourself in a desert, uh, don't panic, um, but try to see the bigger picture. Even if I don't know exactly what God is doing in this moment, um, can I hopefully, uh, you know, cultivate some, some patience and some trust and some faith that God might be doing something bigger than what I can see right now? And so um, maybe enjoy the ride is not the right phrase uh, to say, but, uh, but, but uh, trust the driver, I yeah. guess, uh, maybe a better way to well, put it. So. And I think part of it as well is I think we have this, this misconception that in the wilderness, God is absent. Mm. Okay, the story of Israel proved that to be totally false. Right. That's just, that's just not the case. But then we come into Mark chapter 1, and we find this guy dressed in a camel hair robe, eats honey and locusts, and he's preaching. And people come out to the wilderness to hear him preach, and it's John the Baptist. And one of the things he says, I find this very interesting. He quotes the prophet Isaiah, and he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the Desert, wilderness. Or wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Here's what I love about that text. And I think it's often miss, missed in our preaching. Because prepare the way for him. Prepare for the, the way for him to go where? He's coming to the wilderness. Mm. Mm. That's good. He's coming to where his people are being tested. He's coming to heal where they're hurting. He's coming to give them direction where they're listening and they, they are struggling to hear a fresh word from God. He's coming to do something new. He's coming to them in the wilderness. And I think we often, so if we have this sense that in our wilderness, God has just abandoned us, seeing if we're tough enough to make it on our own. No, he's, he's, he's there ministering to us. He's, he's there to, to aid us. He's, he's there to help us. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and I just want to add this was this was a helpful exercise for me um, a few years ago. Um, and I don't know if you, either of you guys are familiar with it, but the spiritual pathways assessment. Oh, it's yeah. a, it's a um, uh, you can you can download it in a PDF if you just Google it. Um, I think one of my professors gave it to me, but it was kind of a uh, there, I think it was seven. Don't quote me on this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but there was like seven like kind of uh, biblically identifiable pathways that we connect with God. And so, like, one of them was, like, worship, and one of them was nature. And if you've been in this church very long, you know that's not me. Um, what, you know, community and, uh, and learning and teaching. And, there, you know, there were, there were a couple, there were a few others, and I, and, and I may have, you know, mishandled them. But my, uh, my, my point is, is it was helpful for me to identify, and you don't even need to use this test. You, you would kind of know, these are the ways that I feel like I best connect with God. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was community, and it was worship, and it was learning. And so it was, you know, open up a book and grab a guitar and sing a couple worship songs and spend some time with my, you know, my community. Um, those are the things that you need to be leaning into when you're in a spiritual desert. But I will say this, the things that stretch you and that are harder, the spiritual desert is an invitation to do those things to grow. So, like, if I was to be going through a spiritual desert, it might be a good idea for me to, uh, God forbid, go on a walk outside 
and, and, to, and to spend time in nature. Because while that's not natural for me and I don't feel like I connect with God in that way, that's the, it, that, that's the, that's the weight training of my soul. And it will and it will stretch me and help me and help me to grow. And I, and I don't know what that would be for you guys. And it could be something, you know, beyond that, too. Maybe you never fasted before. Mm-hmm. And, and the spiritual spiritual uh, dryness, the desert, the the testing is an opportunity to fast. Maybe it's, um, hey, I need to change up how I read my Bible. Maybe it's, um, I, hey, I'm, I'm going to actually, instead of praying alone, I'm going to start praying with my spouse and, and, and do something that maybe stretches you. Um, I think I think the desert is an invitation to be to be stretched and to grow. Yeah, yeah, I agree. One thing that I uh, <clears throat> that I think that might be maybe helpful for some people, um, kind of almost as a word of uh, caution or warning, perhaps, um, is that uh, you know, like we kind of talked about a little bit uh, earlier, is that when we're in these times, uh, you know, our uh, periods of discomfort and whatever, you know, we we don't like that. It's stretching us, yeah. twisting us, and whatever. And so one thing I would say as a practical word of uh, caution or warning, I think, is um, is that when you're in these times of the desert, um, something not to do um, perhaps is to make rash, large decisions based on temporary external circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, um, there are... Uh, uh, there are seasons of my life where, you know, if I had run away from this, if if God might actually be speaking to us or doing something in us, um, then to uh, avoid that season or to run away from, you know, these times of struggle or, or whatever, um, and not that God desires our struggle, uh, you know, in and of itself, um, but to uh, run away from those uh, times of discomfort or to try and avoid those or make rash decisions based on really, you know, temporary circumstances yeah. because uh, wildernesses don't last forever. Um, uh, I think if we do that, if that's our knee-jerk reaction, uh, we might unfortunately be missing something greater that God's trying to do in us. And so I, I, would, I would offer that perhaps as a word of caution maybe for, for God's people. Jared, as you were saying that, it made me think of Psalm 62, verse 5, and where it says, Be still, my soul, for God. Uh, and the better way to translate that would be, Be still for God, my soul. Hmm. And in the wilderness, that can be the last thing we want to do. When yeah. we're in pain, when we're struggling, when we want security, comfort, peace, sometimes the last thing we want to do is wait and be still. But sometimes that's what we're most desperate and in most need of. Yeah. So I like how you said that, that we shouldn't always just run from it because sometimes it's a matter of just being there and listening for God's heartbeat and seeing what he's calling us to. I think that goes back to your observation as you've kind of guided other people through these seasons, your, your observation of, you know, most of the time people say, oh, well, I, I need to do more. I need to add something to this. And I know maybe that's not it. Maybe we need to sit back and just be still and go, okay, maybe there's too much out there. Maybe I need to sit in this for a while and see what God is doing. And so, yeah. yeah. And I think I'd add, um, just because I think, I think I got time. I get, I just don't like lose the basics. So stick to the mm-hmm. word, be in the word, be praying, and don't abandon community. Let your community uh, know that you're going through this and, uh, and let them be praying with you through it um, because that will help them. That will help you, I think, to have that, that, um, that circle of accountability to keep you from making those rash decisions that you mentioned too. If I, could so. ask, if I could add one more thing to that then, I think a great question to ask in the season of wilderness is what is God calling me to let go of? Mm. 
so that that I can receive what God desires for me. Yeah, what good. is God calling me to let go of so that I can receive from God what he desires for me? Because those are often in conflict. What yeah. Troy desires for Troy is often not in keeping with what God <laughs> desires for Troy. Yeah. And it's it, that's what we see in the life of Moses again. I, I know I come back to that again, but I love it the fact that uh, Stephen, when when he's when he's preaching in Acts chapter seven, he gives us further detail about Moses than what we have in Exodus chapter three. And and one of the phrases that he uses in in Acts chapter seven verse twenty one, it talks about how uh, Pharaoh's daughter, it says, nurtured him as her own. It's the idea of educated. She mm-hmm. raised him to be a prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had incredible knowledge. He he was a skilled in military thinking. He was skilled in the arts and the sciences of Egypt. I mean, he had he was cultured. In, um, he was he was raised in the culture of Egypt. And in fact, the text goes on to say in verse 22, he was such a good student. The text says that he was mighty in words and deeds. I mean, he mm. excelled. Think of him as the valedictorian mm. of the classes, the class of princes. Um, well, guess what? Egypt's ways were not God's ways. Mm. So when he goes into the wilderness, what was the purpose of the wilderness? Moses, you got to let go. Yeah. You're my man. You're my prophet. You're my, you're my speaker. My will is what is to lead, not yours. Yeah. And so there's that letting go of Egypt so he could receive what God desires for him. That's good. Yeah. So I, I think many of us can kind of acknowledge there is wilderness in the Bible. Moses goes through wilderness. Israel goes through wilderness. Jesus goes through wilderness. Um, and and mo- most of us, I think, if we've spent any time in this world, can say, I oh, mean, I've gone through a wilderness and I've gone through yeah. stuff. So the question, I think, is why? Why does God have us in this wilderness? Why does God have us in this desert? And what is God doing to me and for me in the desert? Yeah. So if, if either of you guys want to kind of kick us off on that particular question. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. Uh, <clears throat> the, the first couple things that I, uh, uh, that I go to, and uh, you guys can add to this or expound on it or, or correct it if need be. Um, the first couple things that I think of are, uh, one, in times of wilderness, and especially looking at the context of uh, Exodus in this particular um, uh, you know, scene or, or scenes that we're going through, uh, talking about on Sundays, um, is that uh, sometimes in the wilderness, God is trying to reveal his character. God is trying to show his glory to us um, by stripping away everything else, right? Um, you know, that's usually uh, sometimes what happens in the wilderness is, you know, whatever we thought was secure, whatever God strips these things away or allows these things to be uh, stripped away so that we can focus on him and see his glory. Uh, we didn't share this, um, we didn't share this in the message, but... Um, as they're going through the, uh, I'll, I'll share here, as they're going through um, experiencing the plagues, right? So he's 10 plagues and God is um, in his, it's hard to think about sometimes, but God in his divine mercy is actually allowing uh, Egypt and Israel to experience these different plagues. Um, but there's, uh, God answers the reason why these things are happening. You know, it's not out of, uh, you know, just a uh, vengeful or you know disciplinary action, but actually in uh, chapter uh, in Exodus chapter nine verses fifteen and sixteen, he gives a response for this. Um, 
In verse, I'll just read it says, For now, this is God speaking, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that you would have, or that would have wiped you off the earth. So God's like, I've got the power. I could have just done this and made it happen. He says, But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And so oftentimes in these, you know, periods of struggle in these periods of wilderness um, God is revealing to us more of who he is God is showing us his glory um, I think that happens oftentimes by stripping away all of these extra things that have sort of clouded our vision um, that have kind of taken up our uh, our thoughts or our time so by stripping those things away God is allowing us to fix our eyes back on him um, and then so that subsequently the other thing I that I would say is oftentimes what is God doing with me in the wilderness um, these are often opportunities, I think, for uh, God to develop our character in ourself. You know, I think of, uh, uh, and I wrote this down, I'll share this too, and then I'll, and I'll stop talking um, so you guys can share some more. But, you know, in Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 3, um, he's talking about, you know, sufferings and the things that we experience as the body of Christ uh, as God's people. And he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because... We know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And so, I mean, I would say uh, in times of wilderness, oftentimes God is both revealing his glory to us, but at the same time, God is doing something in us um, to build our character and to build, uh, and to build us and strengthen us as his people. So th- those are the things that my, my mind goes to, but I'll let you guys jump in. I, I, man, I don't have a whole lot to add what you just said there, Jared. Uh, the only thing I can think of on, I know for myself as I go through seasons of, uh, of wilderness, um, the, the one thing I'm coming to realize is God's vision of my life is so much better than the vision I have for my life right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. God's vision for Troy's life is so much better than what I envision my life should be. Yeah. And sometimes to get that way, he's got to get me to, like I said earlier, to let go of things. Yeah. And so that's, he, he's calling us to this life of flourishing. Now, that's not health, wealth, success language there when right, I say flourish. Right. That's the biblical idea of shalom. Hmm. It's, it's, to, it's where everything's made right with God. And that's what God desires for my life. For everything. And that doesn't mean a certain size bank account or, you know, no, no, no. Get that out of your head. Uh, it's it's the idea where everything is made right with God, everything re- made right with my neighbor, mm. those that I'm around, and that's that's the vision. And so that's hard. Yeah, that's really hard. And sometimes, sometimes I'm just so stubborn. I'm like Israel. I need that <laughs> desert experience just to knock me in the head and go, wait a minute, there's something else that I should be uh, seeking after that God's calling me to. That I'm just I'm just ignoring right now. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. We talked about earlier um, how, how God doesn't want to want to necessarily, at least right away, get us out of the desert. Mm-hmm. It, it, he he kind of wants to do something to us and, and for us in the desert. But um, that being said, we're not intended to stay there forever. Right. You know, there there is a time and a place where, okay, I've really been struggling and, uh, and it's time for me to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we identify when that is? And what do we do if, if um, mm. it just doesn't seem to be happening? If, if it, uh, we're just stuck, um, it, you know, is there, is there an easy out from the desert? Mm. And, and, and so I don't know if either of you guys want to kick us out, kick us off on that. 
Yeah, that's a, is there an easy out from the desert? Um, I think it's a hard question, and I, um, uh, I might reword it a different way, perhaps. I, I, I think that speaks to our human nature. I, I think it's a good yeah. question because yeah. it speaks to our right. human nature. You yeah. know? Um, you know, how do I get out of this? That was my intention. <laughs> you just set it up right there. Um, so how do I get out of this? Um, yeah, I, I think that's our desire. That's our, that's our inclination. That's our, that's our heart's desire is, you know, we don't want to be here. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know if I have a really... Uh, profound answer for for anyone on this question. How do yeah. how do you move out of the desert? Um, the the couple things that just come to my mind as I've kind of processed through this um, is I would say you know first if God is doing something in the desert, then remember um, this isn't about me. Um, this isn't about you know what I'm doing. God might be doing something bigger in here, and so. Um, I would say I think the first thing is to try and exercise patience. Um, yeah. You know, to know that if God is doing something in you, um, mm-hmm. then he will carry you through this in his timing. As you said, you know, wildernesses, these are temporary, right? These are not eternal. These are not forever. Um, these are seasons of our life. And so if God is doing something in us, then uh, be patient and, and know that um, God will carry you through. Um, and God will, uh, you know, he will be faithful to finish, you know, his work. He'll be faithful to complete what he's doing in you. And so I'm trying to try and exercise patience, uh, I think, uh-huh. and, and rest um, in those times. Um, but then the other thing, too, is, uh, and this maybe goes back to uh, kind of, Troy, some of what you were saying at the very beginning, you know, when we try to instead... You know, here's everything that's going on, and so uh, my natural inclination. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add this. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do more. Or you know, I've been praying. I'm gonna pray harder. Or I, you know, I need to serve harder. I need to, you know, do all this more and more and more things I need to add. Um, and yet, um, sometimes uh, I think the best answer is actually to, you know, strip away all of these, you yeah. know, you know, excessive things and go, you know, what is, what is more important? What, what can I fall back on? Um, and this is gonna sound so incredibly. Uh, Sunday school VBS, you know, almost, uh, uh, almost embarrassed. Uh, you know, here's my thoughts. Uh, uh, you know, read scripture and pray. You know, uh, I think these are the things. Uh, uh, you know, exercising these spiritual disciplines. You know, like you talked about, whether it's you know worship, prayer, fasting, um, scripture. But um, focus on the things that are important, um, and and seek seek God. If this doesn't have to do with um, God, if this isn't essential, then you know maybe you can put that on pause for yeah. a while. Um, sometimes you know getting rid of things in our life aren't even. I'm getting rid of this forever. It's just you know this isn't important right now. And so focus on the things that are important. Focus on seeking God um, in those things that are, uh, you know, are timeless. Seek God in Scripture. Seek God in prayer. Seek God in community. Seek God in worship. um, And uh, just focus on those things through the desert and trust that God in his timing will carry you through. And so that's what I would say. I just got a a few notes real quick. Um, I I was kind of reflecting on three different narratives of wilderness in the Bible. Right. So you have the Israelites. You have Jesus and you have Paul. And and one of the things that struck me about all three of them is, um, I'll say this and then, I'll, and then I'll backtrack and explain it. All three of them stayed in the wilderness until it was time to do their mission. Mm-hmm. Right? So the Israelites, um, first of all, they, were, <laughs> they would get to the other side of the desert and God gives them this mission, go in and take the nation of Israel. Go in and take 
Canaan, go in and take the promised land. And they're like, well, those are scary people, and they don't do it. And then they are spend 40 years yeah. in, in the desert. But then when they come back, they, they listen and are obedient and go in and do the mission, and they're out of the wilderness. Jesus um, spends 40 days and is tempted by Satan. But as soon as he comes out of the wilderness, it's the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yeah. And, is, and, is, and he starts his ministry. And then... Of course, Paul spent three years being prepared for his ministry to the Gentiles in some desert. He calls it Arabia in, in Galatians 1 um, and, and, and then goes out and does and does ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things, one of the identifying things that you can look for if you are in a desert is something comes up where it's like, this is my gifting and this is the mission that God has for me. If you get on mission, I think that is the moment where God will begin to move you out of the desert. Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really important, uh, especially in, you know, in my uh, limited experience to see a lot of times people move through, you know, just times of great trials, uh, struggles, uh, you know, wilderness, their own, per their own personal wilderness, whatever that season may be. Um, and then on the backside of this, you see oftentimes the people of God, as they come out of those seasons, they use those those trials, those struggles, yep. those those hurts, you know, to minister, um, yep. to uh, to uh, serve uh, and impact yep. God's kingdom in profound ways because of how God prepared them in those seasons. So, so I think that's a great point. I appreciate yep. you bringing that up, Troy. You yeah. want to finish us out on that? Yeah, I would just. I think the only thing that I would add to what because you guys have really covered it very well um, in the wilderness. Listen for the shepherd's voice. Mm. Mm. And I yeah. say that for this reason, uh, the word shepherd in scripture, if it's not referring to a literal shepherd, that that label is used most often for God or for Jesus. Hmm. And and I think as leaders, uh, let me kind of shift our gears a little bit. Yeah. I think as leaders in, the, in ministry, we've got to get rid of the CEO mentality mm -hmm. that yeah. I am the shepherd of the church. OK, you may be an under shepherd. Uh, but there's only one true shepherd. Yeah. That's Jesus Christ himself. And what he calls us to in John chapter 10, verse 27 is hear my voice. Yeah. Hear my voice. Hear my voice. So as ministers and as members of the body of Christ, that's what we've got to train ourselves and discipline ourselves to do. Because what's the role of the shepherd? To lead the sheep, protect the sheep through the wilderness until that kid, they get to that place of safety. Mm. That's good. Wow. And and one of the things and so our role is as ministers, this is one of the things that I have been challenging a lot of uh, ministers with lately who who are just caught in this sense of being that CEO and they're trying to do more and more and more. And they're just getting exhausted because even when they achieve success, there's no time to rest because they've got to figure out what's the next thing we've got to do. And that CEO mentality is just burning them out. And so one of the things I challenge ministers to do is step away from being the shepherd and be the lead sheep. Mm. Mm, that's good. Because the bet, well, I, and this is a, I don't know if this happened in Jesus time. I have, I, I like the story. I think it illustrates it well. So I'm not saying this is in the Bible, but I read about how Bedouin shepherds, the way that they lead their flocks best is they pay attention to the flocks to see which sheep listen the best. And then they tie a bell around their neck. Because then when that shepherd calls and those sheep that listen best follow the shepherd, the other sheep fall in line. Mm. And so as, as ministers, as preachers, we're not the shepherd. 
we're the lead sheep who listen well. We model mm. the wilderness life for our people so that they can learn how to listen to the voice of the Lord themselves and thrive in the wilderness. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's really, you know, as you're talking there, I think uh, <clears throat> that's just biblical um, as well. You know, when I th- uh, listen to Paul's instructions when he writes to his people, uh, you know, what does he say? He says, he doesn't say, do what I tell you to. In fact, you know, over and over in Scripture, he says, you know, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're, we're, yep. we're nothing. We're yep. nobody. But Jesus is everything. And so what's his instructions? He says, hey, follow me mm-hmm. as I follow Christ. Um, and yep. so, you know, Paul, the greatest missionary in the history of the church. And yet, what does he say? He says, I, I, I'm just a sheep. And so yep. let's uh, let's keep following Jesus. So, so yeah, I think that's uh, I think it's very profound. I, pr- I appreciate that very much. Fellas, this has been uh, a great conversation. It's been a blessing for my soul. Mm. And uh, Troy, we want to just thank you again for for joining us and and, uh, helping us to kind of think through the wilderness. Um, So this has been, uh, as we're wrapping up, this has been another edition of the Furthermore Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Jared. And church, we love you. And uh, we'll see you on Sunday. God bless.